Welcome to Niners Talk with John, Tim, and Brian. Let's talk Niners. How can six of you miss a play like that, huh? What is going on, Niners Nation? Is victory up? No, it's not. Thanks, Jake Moody. No, it's just fucking Tuesday. Oh, that that just that hurt. That that's wrong. That's (laughs) evil. (laughs) Don't be a kicker then. It's all I can tell you. Oh, oh, well, shakes all, and we're going to get into that. I know. Yes, we are now one third of the way through the season. How are we feeling, Ryan? How are you feeling on this non-victory Tuesday? (laughs) I have chosen, as I said in our text thread, not to really read much to the game. The last, I I hate reliving, um losses and i'm feeling okay i'm trying to feel positive for next week so uh got i've got other stuff to to uh to keep me preoccupied this week like like family and work and you know weird yeah. stuff like that oh okay i i, I thought yeah, we were normal on stuff. podcast normal stuff okay <laughs> all right yeah i i guess football does Tim? take a backseat to, to some things yes yeah, yeah. Tim, how are you doing well, I'll just say that yes, I did go back and rewatch the game, and it's it's worse the second Yikes. time around. So it's, it's like uh, it's like all right, let's go back and, and watch a, a, a painful memory. But you know, we said last week in, in our podcast that for the 49ers to lose, they were going to have to make a lot of self inflicted mistakes, and I think David Lombardi put best where. He said, in order for the 49ers to lose, a lot has to go wrong. And a lot did go wrong. But at the same time, they were in a position at the end of the game to kick the game-winning field goal. And Moody, you know, he pushes the kick, you know, a couple of feet uh, over the left. We're having a much different conversation. But as it is, Mm -hmm. 49ers have their first loss of the year, 19-17, to a very good Cleveland Browns defense. Let's Let's give credit where credit is due. The Browns defense is as good, if not better, uh, than advertised. And the 49ers, Brock Purdy was under pressure for most of the game. We lost some key guys, Debo, CMC, Drake Greenlaw wasn't out there. But still, the 49ers were in a position uh, to to steal one. But we're going to see, we we knew that at some point, Brock Purdy and this team was going to face adversity. It's here now. And we're going to see how they respond next Monday night against the two and four Vikings. So first loss of the year, it's five and one. I don't think we need to ring the panic meter just yet uh, and cut Jake Moody, but it is what it is. Uh, But again, hats off to Cleveland. They played the game on their terms. Their defense is outstanding. Certainly a lot better than what we thought. uh, Well, I think the Browns were probably what we thought the Cowboys were going to be. And, you know, it's at this point we're five and one, but silver lining, the Eagles lose and the Seahawks lose. So the Niners didn't lose any ground. Yeah. So for those of you turning in for the first time, we're three obsessed Niners fans who get together weekly to talk about our beloved 49ers. If you get a chance, you know, follow us, leave a review, give us a like, 
And last week was our, probably one of our most subscribed episodes to all of those who are listening again. Thank you. But this week we're talking about the Browns game, going over it, and looking forward to the Monday Night Football game against the Vikings. So, so yeah, uh, I don't think I have sworn a lot in football games this year except for this one. I said the word fuck a lot. It just seemed to me that the Niners were just out of sync the entire game. Like, it, it was a lot of them. Brock Purdy missing timing routes with Ayuk. Great Moody pushing left and pushing pushing left and pushing right. Did you? You just felt Brick Cootie? No, I said uh, Brock Purdy. Moody Brock Purdy. But yeah, it just, as, as Tim said, a lot really had to go wrong for the Niners to lose this game, including the weather. The refereeing was not good. It could have definitely been better. But the Browns are, are for real. And I think they're going to be pretty formidable. You have a good defense. Yeah. You can win, you can win games. I just yeah. asked the Jets right now. So, so Brian... Just overall thoughts on the game? It's funny when, when Tim used the word adversity. Like, you know, a team like this with all these expectations, you know, of Super Bowl or bust, one loss, uh, you know, equates to adversity. And, and hopefully, you know, the team will rally around that. And watching this game on TV, I kind of, you know, I, I came home probably around the second quarter and... You know, ten. I mean, John. I know you texted us when I was out um, during the first quarter that CMC scored, and I thought that was pretty early because I think it was yeah. about maybe five minutes into the game. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to constantly hear those texts, like, you know, CMC scored, Ayuk scored, and you know, my player of the week. I thought was going to do really well was Debo. I thought he was going to score, and I, I was expecting to hear those, hear that, hear that thread, and I did not. And when I came home. And turn it on around the second quarter, you know, I, it just showed that the Niners were in a dogfight and the Browns really showed up today yeah. so, or showed up on Sunday. Um, that's kind of my thoughts on the game. And, you know, we'll see how they can do next week uh, against Minnesota. So I thought Stefanski put it right is that they dragged the Niners into the mud with them. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a pretty good way oh, yeah. of looking at it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And and so- definitely. I, I would say, you know, as Brian was just saying there, the 49ers early on, I felt had real control of the game. Their first drive, they go right down to the field. McCaffrey, he rips off a 27-yarder. It's extended because of the face mask penalty. And I think I think that's maybe, what, four face mask penalties that McCaffrey has endured so far this year. But they score quickly. And then Cleveland's first drive ends in the Fred Warner interception. And the Niners are in business at the 26. And they go and they go backwards. And Moody comes in, he misses a 50-yard field goal. And you just get that feeling like, okay, that you don't want to let those slip by. So I, I felt the Niners had several opportunities in the first half to Really, I mean, if, if Cleveland's playing from behind, I mean, by two, by, by, uh, you know, two possession scores, I think they're really in trouble because that puts it, that puts it all on Walker. Uh, but as a result, as you said, John, 
we wanted to drag the 49ers into the mud with us. And that's exactly what they did because Walker, I didn't think he played great, but he played, he was effective when he had to be, but it was the running game that was really, that the, that the Browns were able to sustain and keep drives, particularly in the second half going. So missed opportunities in the first half, you know, Niners go in 10 seven, but you just knew at that point, as you and I were talking, John, it was going to be a slugfest. Yeah. And this is where I thought the Cleveland game plan was better than the Niners game plan. When I watched the Cleveland Browns greened the Niners wide nine to death. And I was just thinking while I was watching the game, like we have the same defensive alignment, you know, can't we, why can't we do some screens? And I understand Debo got hurt and then Larry McCaffrey, but I'm like, Jordan Mason can't catch a screen. Elijah Mitchell can't catch a screen. I just, I never under, George Kittle can't catch a screen. Yeah. It just seemed to me that it was way too conservative in terms of, of how he was calling the game. It was just a dud to me in terms of how mm-hmm. Kyle kind of called the game. And the timing was really off. You know, again, it was, it was just, it just wasn't a good game. You know, but as you've said, we were still in a position to win it and pull out, you know, victory from the jaws of defeat. And unfortunately, Jake, Jake just missed. So, so anyway, uh, Brian, any other thoughts or specifics that come to mind on the other Cleveland game? Tim brought up a good point about the rushing, you know, like I, I was watching the game and, and Kareem Hunt had a couple, you know, about, about 47 yards and. Was that the running back Jerome Ford had close to had like 84 yards? So just kind of watching those things, um, seeing that kind of slow death that we would have, that the Niners would have applied on on someone else to have that kind of come back on us was kind of disheartening. But you know that's something that you know if CMC didn't get hurt, I'm wondering, you know how would how would the tables have turned? Because I wanted. You know, as you as you kind of mentioned there about the play calling, you wanted to see more rushing because, like Jordan Mason, he did he had some pretty good, pretty good runs, and and you know he got that score, and uh, you would have wanted to see more of him. Mason only carried for five, uh, only carried five times, but but for twenty seven yards. But I mean CMC, I mean he's he's got the twenty seven yarder to start the game. After that, you know he his total, so he had twenty seven yards on that first carry. For the game, he had 43 yards. So if you take that attempt away, he's only rushing for 1.6 yards per attempt, which tells you exactly what Cleveland is doing there. You know, I, I think I, I'm going to throw this out there and say I think the Debo injury was more unsettling to the 49ers than the CMC injury, and here's why. John mentioned the lack of screen. I would 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 have thought that Shanahan had Debo been in there would have been calling more of those. I know they tried one to Ray Ray McLeod, which just got blown up. But I think oh, yeah. the Debo injury, I, I mean, I see Shanahan putting Debo in the backfield as a back with his speed, with his power. Uh, he can get to the edge. He can, you know, push guys for a couple of extra yards. So you're looking at, you know, a second and four instead of a second and six. But at the same time, you know, with, with Debo being out, uh, the 49ers in the second half offensively just went backwards. And we've talked about the Cleveland defense, but 
they brought in some blitz packages that Purdy had absolutely no time to throw. And it just, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Brian. It just seemed like that pocket was totally collapsing on, on, on. Yeah. In the second and third, all excuse the me, time. third, yeah. well, like third and fourth quarters, the 49er offense could not get anything going. And, you know, you look at their, um, their second half is, you know, results are interception, punt, 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 the Jordan Mason touchdown punt and then they miss the field goal at the end of the game so yeah i i john i don't know if it's if it if it was the game plan i i think it was more debo being out myself i think you would have seen those screens more of but um also you know with the cleveland defense they were they were just not to get able to get into any rhythm whatsoever in the second half yeah oh i agree i just like i said it was just a confluence of factors on why the Niners lost. Really good defense. Uh, rained a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, timing was off. You know, early body clock game. Refs did not have a, a great day on the field. And it just, it just wasn't, it wasn't meant to be. So, well, as we always do, let's look over our keys to victory. The first one we had was contain a mobile quarterback, and it actually wasn't Deshaun Watson. And I wouldn't really put P.J. Walker in the mobile quarterback no. uh, category. So we kind of, I think we generally did this. And then two is don't have a letdown game. Well, Brian, do you think the Niners had a letdown game? I was going to ask that same question. I I do think that. Uh, of course, I, I, uh, I think that. So I, I don't know if they took the... To get the uh, foot off the gas a little bit this week, but it, it definitely, you know, I, I don't know. Right. I don't know if it was something about the early game or if they were just so hyped up about beating Dallas and, you know, and how enthusiastic all of us were on last week's podcast. You know, it was, it was bound to happen. Um, I expected them to lose some game. I, they were going to go 17 and 0, but I just did not expect that to happen kind of this, this week. So, yeah, what I found interesting, I didn't realize this until I read it the other day, is that when we lost to Atlanta last year, it was also week six. But I, I kind of think that this is a letdown game, more of the fact that we didn't execute. I didn't really, I thought the Niners were flying around and doing everything they could to, to win. So I didn't see they were flat. They were just, just. Out of sync. I mean, we had, yeah, there's no like, Tim, how many missed tackles did we have? I think we had 18 missed tackles that we counted up. Yeah. And, and before that we had nine combined over, over four games. So it was just, it was just slabby. Tim, would you put this as a letdown game? Um, no, I wouldn't put it as a letdown game. I, I think frankly, the Niners were just out of sync. I, I think a lot of things hit them at the same time. What I did not expect was so many self-inflicted uh, penalties. Uh, that was we haven't seen that all year. But you know, when you, when you start, you know, you're you're on your 25. You know, first first down is a holding call. Now you're second and 20. Next thing is a false start. Now you're second and 25. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you're the Cleveland defense, you're just pinning your ears back because you know exactly where the 49ers are going to do. They're going they're going to rush the passer, and they do it very well. But no, I mean, I thought the play of the defense, you know, they, uh, I think they came, they came to play. I mean, Fred had a great game. It was great to see Randy Gregory uh, in there as well. It's just, you know, at this point, I think you just chalk it up to today, the football gods decided this was what was going to happen. And football is an imperfect game and, you know, calls, penalties, weather, it, 
all those things create the perfect storm and the Niners were, were upset by, by Cleveland. Oh, there you go. The other thing Cleveland had going for it, and I actually think this was an advantage, they were coming off their bye. They looked, they looked fresh and ready to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually think for them, it was a bit of an advantage. And, you know, last week we, we faced the number one defense in Dallas. This is the number one defense. I like, agree. Uh, uh, I love the Niners. There's a great defense, but that defense... Is scary good, and it's it's scary good in the fact that the only guy I know, or there's two guys I know, is Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith. But the other guys were flying around, and they were they were maintaining their gaps. They played man coverage. You got some very good wide receivers, and that defense was was real. Yeah, um, yeah. They brought in Jim Schwartz this year mm-hmm. as their new. Um, as their new defensive coordinator. And he, he really, it, it really showed like, I didn't know he's, he's coached like Detroit back in the past. And I remember his, his, uh, his run-ins with Harbaugh. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Day, but he, oh, was, sure. he, he really, yeah. <laughs> he, he really brought a really strong defense. I, I was yeah. just impressed kind of the way they did things there. And, so. and here's a telling statistic. The 49ers did not have a single first down in the third quarter. Prior to their final drive, they had one mm-hmm. first down in in the second half. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, looking forward a little bit, this is the the worst offensive performance we've seen from the Niners. Sam, what do you think the opposing defensive coordinators are going to look at and what Jim Schwartz did and and try and copy? Well. Obviously, they were able to shut down the running game. When, when the Niners can't lead on that and, and you're putting them in second and longs and third and longs consistently, well, then, you know, you, you're, br- you're bringing in blitzes uh, to Purdy. You're throwing off his timing. Uh, and we saw that. You know, he was behind and in front of his receivers to Ayuk, I think, on three or four occasions. He missed see. I know the, the play, there was a play in the second second quarter where, he tried to hit CMC. It ended up being a free play. Uh, Cleveland had jumped offside, but he tried to hit CMC down the right sideline and just overthrew oh, yeah. him by about two or three yards. And, and you just kind of look at back to those plays and said, you know, that could have made a difference. That could have made a difference. So, yeah, I, I think you know you're gonna you're gonna try to bottle up the Niners game as much the Niners running game as much as possible and force Purdy to beat you. Uh, now we're, you know, I know we're going to talk about the Vikings here in a second, but you know, the Vikings, I think defense right now is ranked 28. So, you know, they've, I think they've got one of the worst, uh, run defenses in the league. So that'll be a tough, that'll be a tall challenge for the Vikings to emulate, uh, what Cleveland did, uh, this past Sunday. Yeah. And then the last key to victory was we thought a new star would shine. Nobody shined. <laughs> and, uh, this maybe. Is the- maybe Maybe Randy Gregory. Maybe he had a sack. Yeah. Well, we haven't talked. Yeah, we talked more on on offense. I think because you know Ronnie Bell was nowhere to be found, and and he's been kind of one of one of my favorites this year. Jawan Jennings was starting to shine a little bit towards the end of the game. You know, George Kittle only had one yard receiving. And again, I I still kind of push this onto the game plan, like. It just it just felt like a dud. I don't think Kyle Kyle did this. So well let's let's get to our stars of the game. And we only have three this week. 
So, Brian, who is your oh, star boy. of the game? Well, I really didn't have any. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I'll, I'll go with Randy Gregory because he had that one sack and he's new to the to the squad. Yeah. So, yeah. oh, and Lenore, uh, right? Yeah. He got that pick. You got the so pick. I will say th- those are my two. You know, it's funny we didn't That's mention it. Randy in our in our lead up. Uh, I kind of forgot he was on the team, but. Tim, I was impressed. That was about the one shining light in that game. Randy Gregory played really well. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he does get a sack. I think he's going to be a great compliment to, to Bosa. You know, if they can collapse the pocket, I think particularly against a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, um, who we know is not mobile. He's not going to, you know, he's, he's not going to pull uh, anything like a... Um, Deshaun Watson or any other or Russell Wilson, where he's going to gash it for, you know, 18 yards on third and 10. So, yeah, he's the Niners definitely have uh, a lot of weapons on defense. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what he can do uh, the rest of the season. Yeah, especially as he learns the system. So, Tim, who is your star of the game? Well, I, I'm going to give it to the defense. You know, it wasn't their best game, but they were opportunistic. You know, Fred gets the pick. Lenore gets the pick, um, and that's where Cleveland had all the momentum. Lenore makes the pick, Niners score on the next play. They take the lead. Bosa sacks Walker on a third down uh, to force a long field goal. Um, Cleveland did end up making it to pull within one. So they were opportunistic. That's why I don't think the 49ers dialed this one in. But the Niners Niners defense was making plays to to keep the whole team in the game. And, and did so because, you know, as, as we've said at the outset of this podcast, Niners were in a position to, to win the game uh, on the last play. So my star of the game uh, is Frank. I saw an interview with him earlier in the week where he was talking about Quan Alexander. And Quan used to carry a football around the facility, like all the time, and take it to practice, he'd take it to meetings. And Fred started doing that when he, you know, he was kind of under Quan's, as uh, Quan was his mentor. And then this week, uh, right before the Dallas game, he started doing it again. And he, you know, he got his pick. And I think if I'm willing to bet, he's still doing it because he got his second pick. And, you know, he's just the heartbeat. He keeps that defense going. Another pick. I think he had eight or so tackles. But again, just another. Another defensive player of the year performance really looked good and just excited to see how he just keeps this defense going. Yeah, the the week was weird. It was just a weird week with the Eagles losing and, I mean, the Buffalo almost lost. But let's get to my bets. So another 0-4 week. I had the Niners and Browns over 39. Once again, it's a field goal that does it to me. (laughs) Jake had hit it, I would have been over 39, but he didn't. He missed two, so we were under. I will never do this again, but I bet on Seattle, plus two and a half over the Bengals. Blasphemy, blasphemy. Yes, and God said, I have been (laughs) smited. So, (laughs) we lost that one. Saints and Texas over 41. This was on track, and then they stopped playing football. Like, they just, nobody got in the end zone. So that was over 41. And then Tampa Bay, Detroit, it ended up 
being more defensive and Tampa Bay just did not execute. I blame the uniforms. Those creamsicle uniforms. <laughs> I don't know why. They never bring back the creamsicle, but they look awful. They, they never really were successful when they wore those uniforms. Exactly. I don't know. It's like the 49ers, like, don't bring black. Don't bring back it's those black uniforms. Bad, they never had yeah. juju. Don't do it. So, yeah. So we are 13, 19, and 1. So if you're betting the opposite side of me, congratulations. You're doing very well right now. But I'm determined to get this back on track. So this week's bet, Detroit's playing Baltimore. Detroit is the underdog at plus three. I mean, they're playing in Baltimore. Okay. But Detroit, to me, is right now one of the best teams uh, in football. And they're sneaky good. And I think they're going to be the Niners' uh, biggest competition for the number one seed because of their strength of schedule. But I think, I think they're going to beat the Ravens who have looked suspect this year, even though Lamar's having an awesome year. Jared Goff just looks great. Shout out to Warren Catholic. But yeah, he looks great. Um, and then based off having watched the Browns, they were only favored by two over the Colts. Uh, That's Colts, surprising. Yeah, Colts didn't look that great. I mean, they're visiting Indianapolis, but Minshew's going to be the quarterback for a good long time, and I think Deshaun's coming back, so I, I kind of like that one. And then it's Rams plus three. I wrote, actually, in the notes over the Rams, so that seems a little odd. Um, They are playing. I was just looking at that. Um, Rams are playing the Steelers. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so I'm going with that because the Steelers' offense is not good. And the, the Rams have been in it. And then the Dolphins over the Eagles. I'm going with the Dolphins. The Eagles just lost to the Jets. They've been winning ugly. And they really haven't beaten anybody just yet. And this Dolphins team on offense is like a track meet. So... I'll be curious to see what Fangio comes up with uh, to keep Jalen Hurts uh, guessing. But right now, A.J. Brown is something like 50% of their offense. So you take him out of the game, I think you're going to win. So those are my four bets this week. The Niners are six and a half over Minnesota, but I'm not touching that because... Don't mess with the mojo. Yeah, don't mess with the... The other stat I saw, I heard this morning, which is interesting, is there have been more games decided by three points or less than almost any time in NFL history. Mm. And scoring is actually down this year. Mm. So mm. I was kind of taking that under advisement and kind of looking for games where I'm like, okay, you know, like I'm not going to bet against the Niners, but looking for games that I'm like, okay, plus three, plus two in those kind of pick in terms of like what we're going to, what we're going to get. So, yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling good about these ones. So. Yeah, you know, it's funny, John. All the all the games you picked this week could be decided by a field goal, like all the scores here. So Detroit and the Ravens, and then the Browns and the Colts. I'm hoping that uh, not. I would, a field goal. I would like you a know. less stressful Sunday, which is nice because Sunday is yeah. actually a day to just enjoy football. I was going to say you. <laughs> yeah. We will have a less stressful. We will have a less stressful Sunday. We can enjoy our red zone. Yeah, exactly. 
So, so John, you've also said that you've lost like the last two weeks in a row, right? Where you haven't won. So I guess yeah. everyone should take the opposite bet. <laughs> we still love you, John. I will rise like a phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> Sprinkle money. I'll just be making it rain all over the yeah. place. All right. Ravens <laughs> minus three. Colts right. plus one. Steelers. Then, yeah. Then John, John Springs for appetizers at Applebee's. Yeah. On a date night. <laughs> On a date yeah, night. Um, <laughs> Oreo shake. Anyway. What brings us to this time with Niners trivia time with Brian? I'm guessing a Minnesota-themed Niners trivia. You got, you got that right. Okay. So. If, if you ask a question about Fargo, I'm really going to be impressed. Oh, I should have put that in there as my... Uh, my darn it, number five, but no. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, so in 1959, the ownership group of... Bill Boyer, Max Winner, and is it H.P. Scoglin were awarded in an AFL franchise. The Minnesota franchise became an NFL franchise after which city backed out? I'm going to go with St. Paul. I'm going to go with, um, I'll go with Kansas City. Right. So John says St. Paul, which is in Minneapolis, just right near Minneapolis. And then Tim, you're saying the city. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking maybe it was something along the lines of the Dallas Texans who eventually became the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, if memory okay. serves. I knew I was a reason I didn't like Mahomes. That's stretching it a tad. <laughs> Uh, all right, question number two. Minnesota great number 10 Fran Tarkenton played quarterback from 1961 to 1978. What team was he traded to in the middle of that, and how many years was he their quarterback? It was the New York Giants. I think he was there for two years. Whatever Tim said. That's <laughs> right. He played for it's, That's Incredible, which was a wonderful 80s show that John and I watched every Monday night. It really, it really with, you know, with, I was with Kathy Lee Crosby, and I don't remember the third guy. John Davidson. John Davidson. Oh, wow. See, that's the kind of trivia we need to be asking. But anyway. Well, I was going to ask that, but I figured you guys would know that. So <laughs> just the fact that John knows John Davidson, that is impressive. John should get honor. John should get, you know, Kudos for that one. He gets an extra gold star. Right. That guy's hair never changed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh -huh. All right. You say New York Giants for two years. Yes. Okay. All right. Number three, what is the name of the Minnesota Vikings mascot? Skull. <laughs> I don't know what John said. I don't by, know. By the way, <laughs> if if my wife wasn't leaving for Chicago on Monday, I would have like really wanted to go to that game on Sunday because that skull chant at the beginning of those games looks freaking awesome. You know when they go like skull, skull. <laughs> so anyway, skull, skull with mascot. All right, decrepit. All right, 
You both say school. Okay. And then number four, uh, which Minnesota Vikings player's number was retired in 2001? In 2001. Um, mm -hmm. Is there any significance to it being 2001? Yes. I'll, I'll just, I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Uh, well, 2000. Unless you guys want to, maybe I'll ask, maybe I'll answer if you guys. Uh, well, how about, how about just one quick hit? Like, is there a position or I, I just. All right. This... So is, this, is, is it related to 9-11? I'll ask that. No, but no. Okay. But it was, it's not related to 9-11, but it was, a, it was, um, how do I try to say this? It was an event that happened right before 9-11. Right before 9-11. In the summer of 2001. I do not know. Only thing I'm going to say, this is just a reach, is Bud Grant. I mean, I don't know if he's going to have his number retire or a whistle or whatever, but I can't think of, of anybody. I, I, yeah, I'm drawing a blank on that one. All right, we'll do the answers in a bit. All right, well, let's, let's wash our hands of the game that happened in Cleveland. <laughs> well, I, I, I do think we need to, there, there's a couple things I do want to, before we move on to the Vikings week, there, there's a couple things I do want to mm -hmm. go back to. I, I then, and then we'll bury it and we'll, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> but I, I do think we have to talk about a, a couple of key moments in the game, one of which were two penalties on the Browns final drive. The first of which oh, happened yeah. on a third and 10, um, Walker, uh, you know, shoots it over third and 10, the Niners get flagged. Uh, it was, uh, Gibson. He was trying to, hit, uh, Walker was trying to hit more. Gibson is flagged for unnecessary roughness. So I went back to take a look at that, at that particular play and I mean, at first glance, I, I thought, ooh, that could be, that could be a hit. Now, when that could be a helmet to helmet. When I went back and looked, we all saw the replay. And yeah, we, we saw it was a shoulder to shoulder. It was a legal hit. But when I saw who called the penalty, it was the line judge. And from his angle, I can see why he threw the flag in real time. Because it does look like his head snaps back. Uh, so I, I think it, it was a... It was a call I think they could have discussed a little more, see if anybody had a better look at it. But it was such a critical moment in the game because if that flag isn't thrown, the Browns are looking at fourth and ten. But so, your, your thoughts on it. So here's the problem with with that call. And this this is me putting my my ref hat on. Yeah. It's all about and then I just I don't do football, but I do basketball, but it, it's still kind of the same thing. It, it's all about positioning. So that line judge is, is over on the left-hand side. Yeah. And he is behind the wide receiver, and he sees Gibson launch himself at the receiver. He doesn't see the lack of head-neck contact, but he sees the head snap back. The other judge or referee is over down the line on the right, and he's kind of, almost in the same spot, but probably had a better view of the play. The problem is that in the NFL, the umpire referee is no longer in the middle of the field. Mm -hmm. And he would have had the best look at it in terms of 
picking up the flag in terms of the, the hit just happening without it in, in the shoulder. The only person I can also think that would have an angle on that is the actual referee, but he's going to be looking at the line for holding. And mm -hmm. so that call is just not going to be seen. And, and this is where I think the NFL really needs to take a little bit more ownership of the officiating and be like, like, look, everything's going to go up to an eye in the sky because there are way more angles than the referees out on the field. They could slow it down and they can just radio down to the guys with, you know, a thing in their ear saying, which they all have anyway, because they all talk to one another with those microphones. It's like, no, that's, that's not, you didn't have the angle on it. That wasn't a, you know, unpersonal you know, or personal foul. So, so, Brian, so Tim, remind me what, what time was that in the, I know it was the fourth quarter. It was, it was on the, their last it was drive, the fourth quarter. That... Yeah. And then the Browns, it, it was on their, it was on the drive. It was, it was the Browns last drive of the game. Uh, they were down by one point. There was about right. uh, two forty to go in the game and it was third and 10 on the Cleveland 26. I couldn't remember if it was before two minutes or within. It was before the two minutes of the game. It was before the two minute warning. Go ahead, Brian. I kind of, I just kind of, you know, I know that, you know, there's scrutiny on this play, but would you, would you guys think that under two minutes, you know, within two minutes to go, like after the two minute warning, would, would this play be deemed reviewable or is it because from your perspective, if it's beyond, you know, if we haven't hit the two minute warning yet, should it not be, you know, one of those like situations where like under two minutes, um, it's reviewable. It's, it's an intriguing thought. I, I think, and I, and I get what John's saying because of, you know, the angles that you can have with, you know, TV, um, you know, you can always get, you know, a much better look, uh, a, a second look at it. And, you know, somebody upstairs, uh, can in New York could say, no, that really wasn't, that really wasn't a personal foul. It was a clean hit. I think why the NFL is probably very reluctant to do that is because a few years ago, they tried instant replay of pass interference after they yeah. referees botched the, the NFC championship game at the Lions and the Saints. And, and that did not work out well at all. So I think that's probably the, why the Niners, uh, or excuse me, the, the NFL is uh, hesitant to try to put something in there. And, and I also need to say that, you know, that call did not lose the 49ers the game. There were many, many other things that contributed to the loss. It just was a key moment in the game where we look back and we, and we say, well, what if, uh, based on yeah. um, the replay of it? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's two things, and then we'll, we'll go to the next uh, thing with, with the P, the pass interference review, it was the coach that could challenge it. And uh, to me, the coach, that's a good point. Just take them out of it because they're going to be biased to begin with. Really put it in the hands of an experienced referee who knows the rules and can, you know, kind of bring it up. The other thing I would say, this is, this is again, this is my point from a referee is I know when I've had a bad game. And I go back and watch the tape and it's like painful. Like, man, I was just had a bad game. I guarantee you that crew went back and was just like, we just had a, we had a bad game. Now they're going to get yeah. letters and, and things like that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but that's where I think the NFL, because these games are getting so close, everything kind of matters. They really need to take ownership of it and have something 
where they can yeah. just just review it and be I, like, no, no, it isn't what it is. So, well, I, I think you know, let's we can look at that call. I think the other call area of the game that that I that I took an issue with. Well, I, I let's be honest, any any call that goes against the 49ers, I have an issue with. But that's just that's just me, me being me. I think it was the second second quarter. Um, Walker goes back to throw. He's hit, and for a moment, I thought, oh, it's a fumble. It's a fumble. My problem wasn't so much that the call eventually went to, uh, you know, uh, that the, the, they were, or the, I think they, I don't remember if they reviewed it exactly, but it was that the referee blew his whistle immediately and signaled an incomplete pass. Mm-hmm. And in that thing, I was like, I think you need to let that play finish, then go back and take a look at it. I, I think it was close. They, you know, Walker, Walker's trying to kind of underhand the ball forward. But that could have been a huge momentum swing to the 49ers at the end of the first half. So, you know, again, you know, it wasn't so much that it was intentional grounding, which is what they ultimately ruled. It was the fact that the referee blew his whistle so fast. And we've seen in many occasions where they will let plays just continue because they're, well, maybe we didn't get that right. So they, they have the review, they look at it and they make, they, and you know, they make the call. So. Yeah, but yeah, John, I mean, uh, I think you're absolutely right. It's where, you know, the NFL has to, I think, take, you know, a, a better look at it. And maybe it's something the competition committee can look at and we can pilot something uh, next year. But, you know, the Niners did have 12 penalties. Uh, certainly, you know, the, those kinds of penalties are, are killers. You know, as we said, I think last week, you can't put the game in the hands of the referees. Uh, Niners had plenty of opportunities not to let that not happen. Um, but I did want to bring up those two calls because I thought they were critical parts of the game. Yeah. And again, this is where, if you have an NFL development league, you can try these ideas out. Yeah. You know, and that's right. Again, I yeah. think they, they should, they should do something like that. So anyway, Tim, you said you had one more key thing to discuss. Well, you know, Jake Moody, you know, missed the field goal at the end of the game. And I, I don't know how you guys felt, but when he lined up, my heart was pounding. I didn't feel good about the kick. I didn't feel good about the spot. It just, it's that creeping feeling where, I don't know what's going to happen, man. <laughs> that was coming over me. So one of the, it was a head scratcher for me from Kyle Shanahan. When the Niners got down in the Cleveland territory, they, they got down, uh, Jordan Mason picked up about three yards. It's second to seven. There's 40 seconds left. And I thought they were going to run one more play, but the Niners let the ball. And they also had, a, I think they had, they had, they saw it either one time out or maybe even two, what? but Kyle let the ball, let the, let the clock run down. And I thought, you know, Hey Mason, you know, Hey, he, he, he'd had five carries so far. I know you're running into the teeth of the Cleveland defense, but I would have tried to pick up a few more yards. And I know it's, you know, it's, he's down to the 23, you know, you get three more yards, you get, you know, that's a little, that's a little more of an advantage to Jake. So I was a little puzzled that Kyle decided to just to run the clock all the way down. I guess he didn't want to take a chance. I would have run Jordan one more time with the timeout that you had. You could have, you know, run one more and then that'll be that. But, um, that was a head scratch to me. I don't know if you guys, uh, you know, picked up on that either. I didn't pick up on that part, but when Jake lined up, I was, I was like, okay, come on, just, just put it through. Like we'll escape with a win. And then when he didn't, there was a ginormous F bomb that escaped my mouth. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm out of here. We'll play gold. <laughs> so. Anyway. And 
And, and so for Jake, right now he's under the gun. There's no question about that. He was drafted to make kicks like this. He's replacing Robbie Gould. But, you know, I went back and looked at, you know, last year, Robbie, hey, he had a chance to win against the, the, the Raiders at the end of regulation. Um, he misses, albeit the game was tied. He does, he does, he does come back and kick the game where you go back to 2021 and the Niners had a chance to win against uh, the Bengals at the end of regulation. He missed that one. Now, Niners, of course, came back and won in overtime against the Bengals. So uh, I loved Robbie as much as, as anybody, but he did have his share of misses and uh, in, in times where he could have really put the 49ers. I, I would just say that he could he could ice the game and, and he had a share of misses too. So, you know, I hope Jake is able to just move past this because he's we're going to depend on him again. There's no doubt about that for a game-winning field goal. So I hope he's able to just take this and brush it off. So, so Tim, I have I have some some things to say about that. So, um, sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, no, please. I, well, yes, I was d- disappointed, just like everyone else, that obviously Jake Moody missed that. I mean, I think the way that the camera angle was set, yeah, behind you were watching it. It it looked like it was already at an angle. So <laughs> I have the perception. So, so so the camera angle, you're like, oh, he's he's not getting yeah, that. Yeah, that's one. screwed it up. And the, and. And as I said, you know, I, I think Wisnowski held the laces wrong on the, um, you know, when he was um, <laughs> laces out. <laughs> just about like that whole like you're right. Gould's missed a ton of field goals. Like, he's missed field goals. Too. He was he yeah he, he, he had his moments where he missed yeah yeah yeah. But I in just in terms of watching that last drive because I know there was a lot of criticism. And then, and there's always going to be in any sort of loss to to Shanahan or whoever the offensive play caller is. Um, I, I, he kept he had one timeout right, and I think he kept it mm-hmm. just in case it was going to be like a bad, a bad, yeah, um, yeah. Just I would agree. Yeah. And so, if you ran Mason in that situation, let here's what's to say that Mason isn't tackled and he gets like a good run, and I think it was like seven seconds left or something, right? Clock. Yeah. So let's say he gets a ton of yards and he and he's he doesn't doesn't do what he's doing and then he just happens to run and he runs out the clock. I mean, you know, does that come into your mind about like why Shanahan um, done what he did? I don't think it was running out the clock. I think it was more that the Cleveland defense have been so effective. He didn't want to take a he didn't want to take a, a chance with. Mason getting hit in the backfield or, you know, something, you know, it was, it was a wet day. Maybe Purdy mishandles the ball. He's just like, look, I got it in the 23. I'm just going to run out the clock. I would have gone for just one more play. I just would have eked out maybe a couple more yards. Um, maybe he's positioned the ball, maybe where Mason li- or Moody likes to hit it. I just, if that was, it was, it was, it was just more, it was more puzzling. I mean, it's certainly a makeable kick. It just, as I said, it was a head scratcher. With with forty seconds left, I would have uh, I would have tried to look just a little bit more. But I'm not an NFL head coach. If I remember, like, where would you guys? I didn't watch this replay, but was it was it lined up on the left side of the hash marks? Um, pretty pretty much in the middle. Yeah. Oh, was yeah. it in the middle? Okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I also don't. I was looking at this podcast as part therapy session. Oh, you're right about yeah, that. We're we're gonna get all of our feelings out. The one other thing that I do have to give kudos to, although it's not going to earn him a star of the game, is Brock Purdy did not have a good game. And I'm sure a resident historian can point out sometimes where Montana or Young didn't have a good game. 
but he still tried to find a way to win. Sure. And came really close to doing it. I think, Tim, do you have any like Montana? Like he had a horrible yeah. game all of a sudden. He just yeah. was like, Oh, I absolutely. I mean, the, the, the best example was 88. The Niners played the uh, LA Raiders or the LA Raiders at the time where the Raiders were in LA. And John, you and I were at that game. Niners lose nine to three. The offense was horrible. Montana had a lousy game. The next week he plays the Washington Redskins on Monday night. And for the next probably year and a half, he was Joe Mont. He he was Hall of Fame Joe Montana. Uh, you know the Niners won the Super Bowl in '88. The next year is '89, where they just you know I think one had one of the best teams in NFL history. You know, there's that. There's also you know you can go back to '94. Um, the uh, Niners are playing the Eagles. Eagles pound the 49ers 40 to eight, and this was the team that had Dion. This is the team that had Ricky Waters. Um, and after that game, the Niners just went on a tear. So, you know, it was, it was a wake up call for, um, uh, for the Niners and, you know, young in Montana had their moments. This is Purdy's moment. It happens to every quarterback. So I think, you know, looking again at the Niners, they've got so many weapons still and, but it's adversity and we're going to see how they had this, how this team deals with it. Yep. And I think on that note, I think, can we move on from, from the Browns? Yes. I think, yes. Let's bury the Browns game and never speak to it again. So we'll speak of it again, but, but let's talk about the Vikings. Obviously, this is a team we've played a, a bunch in the playoffs, but let's kind of talk about some keys for victory. We've heard some news. I think first key is let's get healthy. <clears throat> out of uh, out of these three, Brian, who do you think is going to be playing? We've got CMC, Debo, Trent, and Dre. Who do we oh, need to have that? back? Uh, well, Dre Greenlaw would be very helpful from a defensive standpoint, so mm-hmm. I'd love to see him back. I, I just... You know, I don't think Oren Burks and Flanagan Fowles, they were present, but they weren't, they don't have the same gravitas as, as, uh, Dre Greenlaw and, um, Fred Warner together in the, in the, um, in the linebacker work. Yeah. Yeah. So love to see him back. Um, you know, Trent Williams, he'd be, he'd be great too. Um, you know, he had a tough assignment this week against, uh, Miles Garrett. Yeah. You know, we didn't, we didn't talk about that, but he, he. He had a tough one. Um, out of the offensive guys, either one of them. I mean, I, I'm liking, you know, I was giving some thought to Tim what you were saying about Debo. And if you have him there, you know, he's he's a pseudo running back. He's a pseudo receiver. So, you know, he could probably account for some loss of CMC if CMC needs to rest, you know, another week or two. Yeah. Tim. Well, I mean, I... I expect to see Drake Prelaw back uh, in the lineup next Monday night. Trent, I think, is I give it one chance out of three. He's got an ankle sprain. And as Brian said, you know, he had a tough assignment this week. He had given up five, he gave up five pressures in uh, in Cleveland. Uh, and I know we said we put that that one to bed. But <laughs> he he hadn't given up five pressures all season until that last game. So that's just you know, another thing to, to to think about. I don't know. I think Debo, I, I think it's one chance in three that Debo and Trent play. CMC, I won't, I would not expect to see him against the Vikings. I think that, you know, yes, he escaped a serious injury. I don't know if Kyle wants to uh, push it against uh, the Vikings. Uh, the only thing I think the 49ers have going for them is that they do get an extra day of rest which could be, you know, very helpful. You know, they could at least, you know, maybe do some walkthroughs in practice. Um, 
Normally, uh, if you're not on the Thursday practice, if it's a Sunday game, that means you're probably not going to see much in the lineup or you're not going to even much of the game plan. We'll see who practices this Friday. I think that'll be the telltale sign, but I, I wouldn't expect to, I'm going to say, I don't expect to see Trent. I think maybe Debo, I think for sure, Dre, CMC, I think is doubtful. Yeah, I actually wouldn't mind seeing CMC take a day off. I don't, having watched him these last, but there's no doubt he's a warrior. There's no doubt he's a physical back. But I kind of start to wonder about the tread on the tires. Mm -hmm. He just keeps like, and I do think I'm beginning to come around to the thing of like, he might be getting targeted because the face masks just keep coming and coming and coming. And after a while, it's like, guys, there's a little bit of a trend here. So in that way, I honestly just want them to get past the Vikings and and maybe play them all on the Bengals and then get to that bye week and just get healthy. We've been very fortunate this year, knock on wood, with not having anybody knocked out uh, for a long time. But I do really wonder about CMC and just the the abuse he's been kind of taking. So I wouldn't mind to see him sit out. Um, from what I've read, it it's the same kind of injury Purdy had, so it's a pain tolerance thing. But, you know, mm-hmm. Purdy's a quarterback. And CMC, you know he's going to take hits, and you know people are going to take sure. shots at him. Yeah. So, um, which brings us to the second key of the game, which is the offense. We have, we're just keep talking about the Browns game because <laughs> they were just so out of rhythm that you just, you just have to get back to square one. Like, how do you get, so Brian, how, how would you say yeah. these guys get back in rhythm? Well, I would say run the ball and then that'll open up your passing lane. So, I mean, obviously with CMC not there, um, you're going to rely heavily on Jordan Mason to get you some of those yards. Elijah Mitchell was pretty ineffective this last game. So you'd love to see him get some touches for some positive yardage. So, you know, get Jordan Mason, get Elijah Mitchell, you know, if Jordan Mason can get 50 yards, I think that's a, that's a positive. If Elijah Mitchell can get like close to 50, you know, above 30, I think that's would be very helpful to like Kittle and, and Ayuk and, and Debo if he plays in Jennings. So Tim, what about your your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think the 49ers have a terrific opportunity this uh, this Monday night against uh, Cleveland. Their defense is ranked uh, in lower tiers, uh, both rushing and passing. So uh, even with CMC out, you know we, we've seen what Elijah can do. He was a, he was a key uh, key um, point of offense uh, in 2021, and even the first part of 2022 before CMC showed up. So we've seen what he can do with the ball, but I. I would really like to see Jordan Mason uh, have a breakout game. And if Debo is back, I wouldn't uh, be surprised to see Shanahan run those screens uh, that John was looking for in the Browns game. And with a defense that I think is, um, you know, the defensive rushing, uh, it is the Vikings defensive rushing is ranked 28. So that can set some things up, particularly in the passing game. And, you know, a team coming off a, a, a tough, gut-wrenching loss where, you know, you had opportunities to win. If the Niners come in, frankly, just pissed off, they can make life miserable for, for, for the Vikings. And so I expect the 49ers to bounce back in the middle. I really do. Um, I would like to see Kittle getting a little more involved. I thought yeah. last year Purdy had Kittle almost as a security blanket. It mm-hmm. doesn't seem like there's a lot this year. So I'd like to see the security blanket used a little bit more. But yeah, I think just getting them back into rhythm 
and then those little screens, little touch passes will be good. Plus it's, it's indoors. It's not yep. going to be the weather. I think we're going to be, we're going to be good. Um, and then we move to the, the defense and we've, we've played the Vikings a lot before. And Tim, I mean, when we pressure Kirk Cousins, it's really tough on him. But if we don't, yeah. he can carve you up. Sure. No, I mean, Cousins reminds me a lot of, of Stafford from L.A. You know, he doesn't want to get hit. He's not going to gash it for a lot of yards. So, you know, this is a game where, you know, Bosa and Gregory, you know, they can collapse the pocket and you've got, you know, Hargrave and Armstead bringing that up. I, I really hope to see the front four um, really take off in this game uh, because, you know, as, as good as they've been, I mean, they're, they're, they're a good team. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I think we were expecting as fans a lot more, a lot more sacks, a lot more disruption. We've seen that from time to time, but Kirk Cousins right now is leading the NFL in pass attempts. So that tells you exactly um what vikings are going to do offensively so they really don't have a running yeah. game that is much of a threat so you know deniers get them in those second second and tens third and eights third and long just pin your ears back and no justin jefferson so yeah it's 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 tough on the vikings brian oh he's not playing this week oh that's great he's on injury yeah. reserve so one thing the Niners have been very, very good at doing this year is keeping the turnovers positive. Who, uh, who do you think's going to grab a turnover this oh, week? Do you think the Niners are going to keep turnovers positive? Well, we need some, we need some fumbles. I mean, they got two, two picks right on Sunday. So I'd uh, love to keep that up and also, you know, get some punch outs on the football. So I know, you know, Fred Warner's a guy who's, who we all think of as, can do that, but we'd love to see like, just someone else get a, you know, just get a fumble or recovery. If it's, if it's Fred Warner, props it up. But I'd love to yep. see some uh, punch-outs. So for for my uh, potential star of the game, which we did last week, I'm going to go back to Nick Bosa. So far, I've run two and a half miles. A little. <laughs> a load a two and a half miles. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed. So I'm going with Nick Bosa. Four sacks, push that up to six and a half miles. So who's going to be your star? I'm going to go back. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to Brock Purdy. I, I think he bounces back this game. Um, I think he gets his timing uh, uh, back. I, 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 I'd say he's got. He's. We, we see what Purdy can do. Uh, he had a first poor showing uh, in his career, so I think he comes back and he bounces back with two touchdown passes. Brian. I'm going to say the offensive line is going to show up and, and not back down and, and give Purdy the time to make his reads, get some good throws to Kittle, um, Jennings, and Ayuk. And, um, you know, they're going to be the supporting cast that's going to have Brock Purdy come back from this, uh, from this uh, week six debacle. So Nice. That's, yep. All right. Well, Brian, why don't you give us your trivia results and we'll... We'll wrap it up with our final thoughts. All right. So 1959, the ownership group of the Minnesota Vikings were awarded an AFL franchise. The Minnesota franchise only gained acceptance in the NFL after which city backed out? So Tim, you said... Kansas City. Okay. John, what'd you say? I said St. Paul. St. Paul. Okay. <laughs> 
1959, George Hallis of the Chicago Bears proposed expansion to Dallas and in Houston to contend to counteract the AFL. Houston couldn't secure the stadium rights, so Minnesota backed out of the AFL and jumped to the NFL. So hmm. it was Houston. Yep. Okay. Number t- number two, Minnesota great Fran Tarkenton played quarterback from 61 to 78. What team was he traded to and how many years did he play for that team? So, I said the Giants in two years. Okay. And I agree. John. Okay. <laughs> so it was it was the New York Giants. You're right. Uh, but it was from 67 to 71. So five years. 67 to oh, 69. Oh. Well, and then forever. you got traded back. Yeah. Then you got, then you got traded back to Minnesota. Okay, so number three, what's the name of the video? I'm sorry, the Minnesota Vikings mascot? Skull. Uh, Skull. <laughs> yes, that is their saying, and they do say that, I think, for every touchdown and and to start the game. But it's uh, there's two. There's actually, the, the main one is uh, Victor the Viking, and so they have some story on their website how he's related <laughs> to Thor and, and All right. Odin and stuff. I almost and said then, Vinny the Viking, but I was, I was like, <laughs> oh, for a while. All right, yeah. <laughs> and then from 94 to 2005, they had actually a guy, um, a, a fan, dress up as Ragnar the Viking. So who is an homage to a Danish and Swedish king from the 900s. But I, I'm assuming he's got all the, the horns and the beard and he's got that motive. Can, can oh, I make like a request? A... You're asking questions that are extreme. I, mean, I know I've gotten some of the really offhanded ones correct, but I mean, you're really reaching into the bag. <laughs> hey, well, I thought that, you know, I, you're right. I would have not. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably, you know what? I'll ask a that's incredible type question. Oh, great, great. So. Can't wait. Can't wait. I think, uh, I think Ragnar, we're playing like... Cincinnati, right? Okay. We're playing Cincinnati, week. yeah. Next week. There you yeah. go. Okay. Uh, number four. Okay. So this one, I thought you guys would get. So who was a player whose number was retired in 2001? I'll just uh, throw Randy Moss. I don't know. No, it wasn't Randy Moss. I, uh, Anthony Carter. Oh, Chris Carter. No, no. This one actually is more of a sad story. This one actually had to do with 77, their offensive tackle, Corey Stringer. Oh, Corey. Yes, I do. He collapsed from, I think, heat exhaustion and training camp. Yeah, uh, yeah, Ohio, Ohio State, State guy. Ohio State guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah. so it happened like in, in August of 2001. Uh, right. Yeah, I do remember August. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So sad story. And then um, he did pass away from heat exhaustion. Um, and then, uh, uh, yeah, I think now there's rules in place, you know. Right. You know, uh, stuff like this. So, you know, players dressing in white, like lighter colors and mm-hmm. making sure they're shade and, and a lot of adequate water. So, yep, that was it. So Corey right. Stringer. Uh, cool. The, he was a person. Well, Correct. rest in peace, Corey. Final thoughts, Brian. I, I'm going to see us bounce back this week, uh, next Monday night. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to think positive thoughts and, and agree with what you guys just said. I think our offense bounces back. Brock Purdy is going to have a good game. Then we're going to win the turnover battle. So, Tim? I, I like that John refers to this podcast as a therapy session. I will be an advocate for <laughs> holistic new age music being played over the voice track when John does the editing. So, thanks, John, and thanks for doing that. You're welcome. <laughs> um, 
Do you have any final thoughts about the game? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that. And I agree with Brian. I think the Niners bounce back from this. I think Minnesota, uh, I mean, they're two and four. They eked out a win against uh, the Bears uh, in in the rain. So I think the Niners are going to come in this one uh, pretty well motivated. uh, And I think they match up very well against the Vikings. Yeah, I'm going to go with Hope Springs Eternal. We'll sweep the Browns game under the rug. You know, and I, I logically, I'm like, I like where we're at. We're five and one. We're still tied for the number one seed. But it's just the ones that get away that are the most frustrating. And then I just have to remember that last year we were three and three. And the year before it was even kind of worse. We still got to the NFC Championship game. So long season, not even halfway there yet. Just got to take them one game at a time. I think the Niners bounce back. Um, I think they have a good game, and I think uh, we just keep on going. So, um, so for all of those of you who've been listening, thank you so much. Looking forward to seeing the Niners bounce back. We just say keep the faith, stay faithful to the Bay, and peace out, Niners Nation. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Niners Talk. Stay faithful.